everyone, and welcome to the Women's Golf History Podcast with me, Lauren Beatty, final year PhD student and non-golfing golf geek. Yes, you heard right. I'm not a golfer, and until recently, I had never even held a golf club. Despite my lack of golf talent, I love the history of the sport, and especially the history of the women's game. On this podcast, I shed light on the largely hidden history of women's grassroots golf in Scotland. Each episode welcomes a new guest with a personal connection to the sport and its heritage, exploring the past, present and future of the women's game. Hello everyone and welcome back to the second episode of the Women's Golf History Podcast. Today I'm joined by Gillian Kirkwood, um, a member of Gillen Ladies Golf Club, who's played golf from childhood um, and has gone on to have an impressive career in golf administration as well as being a golf historian. Um, so hello Gillian, it's lovely to have you on today's podcast. Uh, hello Lauren, <laughs> nice to be here. So I thought that we would start by talking a little bit about how you started playing golf. Well, um, my, my parents played, um, my mother played from childhood herself and then I think my dad probably took it up when, um, with, with my mother. Um, we used to play on holidays. Um, we'd go somewhere and there'd be a nine-hole course or something like that. My brother and I would have cut down wooden clubs and we would just putter about while mum and dad went and played the proper course and we would just, you know, play in the guttle in the burn or whatever, but play a little bit of golf then. Um, and um, my golf really started at a course called New Battle, which was just down at the bottom of our road. Uh, in S Bank, and um, we used to get lessons um, in the evenings. Um, when I must have been about eight. My brother was probably about six, and uh, that's really how how it started. Um, I didn't really um, play. I mean, it was just a, another game, like you know, bike riding or or playing tennis or putting or whatever. It was never, you know, I wasn't really very interested. But when I got to school. Um, and I was maybe in my senior second year perhaps at school um, there was a girl called Gillian Hutton who was in my class at school and uh, she was uh, she played a lot of golf um, and we were quite friendly and um, she ended up being British girls champion uh, when she was about 17 so you know she was a she was a, a good golfer and I kind of was on her coattails following her going to different events and that sort of thing so that's really how I started. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you played at school, so can you yes. tell me a little bit about that? Oh, well, at school we had a, a, a girls' team. We were, uh, I was at George Watson's Ladies' College, which was a girls-only school. Um, but we played all the boys' schools because we had uh, six girls in our year at school that could all play a really decent game of golf. We were all silver handicap, at least. Um, and Gillian, of course, was really... Um, she was, I think, about, probably off about two or three at the time. I was probably about ten or eleven, and then the rest were. There. But we could really hold our own against the boys' schools. So um, for for a year or two, we actually were in the boys' league, uh, which was good fun. We used to play at the Braids, um, which is a, a corporation course in Edinburgh, and uh, it was uh, really got to know the Braids quite well. I remember one year I actually played on the Braids ten days in succession which was <laughs> really <laughs> different on different things mm-hmm. there was a girls championship there and there was a uh, we had used to have golf lessons up there and uh, and playing the boys school so I was playing the braids a lot yeah yeah so that was in edinburgh great mm-hmm. and so you got into the sport really 
through family connection. Yes, and, yes. And do you think that's important, having someone in the family that um, introduces y- yeah. you? Yeah, well, definitely for, for me. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I would have taken it up unless I, I... I don't think I would have um, been as friendly with Gillian Hutton as um, I was if I didn't play golf because mm-hmm. um, I think that that really... It just kind of boosted me anyway and made me want to get better when Jill was playing so well. I used to uh, chum her to different events and that sort of thing, and it, that really got me into it. It got me into playing kind of... Uh, girls championships and things like that so um, it was early on I, I think if if I hadn't um, been playing already and I had just started when I when Gillian Hutton was good I don't think I would have done it but because I already had a bit of golf background we really got quite friendly early on yeah yeah that's mm-hmm. great. and just for context for the yes. listeners would you mind the rough dates that you started oh, sort of all playing? right well um that's the thing. I'm. Uh, I was born in 1949, so I probably uh, was playing golf in the 50s, just with my mum and dad. Mm-hmm. But um, probably with with Gillian, it was probably about 1963, 64 okay. that um, uh, I started playing in, in girls' events. You know, yeah. so uh, um, at your club. At the, yeah, club. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And uh, right. had a proper handicap, and you know, and started going to other events at other courses and that sort of thing. So and and uh, we left school in. Well, she won the British Girls in 1966, and uh, she was runner-up in 67. And then she went. She came to St Andrews University, mm-hmm. and I uh, was at Edinburgh University. So we kept on seeing each other as well, because the two university teams used to play each other a lot. We kept up that friendship for quite a while. But then she moved down to London, and sa- sadly, she she died about maybe um, eight years ago. Oh. It's it's sad, but. We yeah. did keep in touch, but it wasn't, you know, the friendship, because we were miles apart, we didn't see each other an awful lot after that, yeah. Um, and so university then, you played at university? Yes, I played at university, captain the university team, organised the university team. We, When I was at university, there were only probably four main universities in Scotland. There was uh, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Aberdeen and St Andrews, that was it. So just a four-cornered, uh, we used to play all those those other three universities and mm-hmm. uh, and of course I was probably playing with people I already knew because they were they'd been at girls events and so on so it was like it was just renewing friendships and that sort of thing it was quite quite good so yeah quite enjoyed it, it was another girl at university uh, uh, who actually had come through school with me as well another girl called Moira Dewar mm-hmm. and she won the Scottish girls in 1968 she was a year younger than me and uh, we, we became good friends as well because she was at Edinburgh University and so was I so that was yeah. Uh, yeah 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 so it was uh, it was it was good fun in those days it was uh, we used to uh, um, travel they, they, they had a in April they had a, a week of uh, a, a kind of round robin golf proper golf tournament with the four universities and then of course we went to British universities as well so it was um, it was good fun at those in those days. Yeah, yeah, with students. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the clubs that you've been a member of, then, yes. do you want to talk a little bit about? Oh them? well, golly. <laughs> well, I started at New Battle. Uh-huh. My mum and dad were members of New Battle. As I say, it was just down the road. Um, there was another club called Bruminow, which was uh, in the next little village to us. We were in Esbank. Uh, and I was in Bonnyrigg, which is only a couple of miles away. And there, once again, another girl at school was a member of Bruminow. So I joined Bruminow as well when I was a teenager to keep her company and 
Um, and then when I got married, which I got married quite young, I was 21 when I got married, um, we actually had a house in Golf Course Road, in which was right next to Brumina Golf Club. And I, so I played most of my golf for about the next 20, 30 years from Brumina Golf Club. Um, so um, I, actually, I actually played for them for 45 years in the five-a-sides, which was, a, you know, <laughs> so was a long stint. So um, I love Brumina, a really nice bunch of ladies. Um, I was captain there when I was really, really young. I was th just in my early 30s. And um, I think that's probably what got me. I was quite a good organiser, so I think that probably what got me into golf administration at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, mm -hmm. you want to talk a little uh, yeah. bit about that and well, how that kind of progressed? Oh well, I was, um, as I say, I was a very early, very young um, ladies. It was a ladies section in mm -hmm. Brumminau. I was the captain of the ladies, so that was um, there. And, and by then, I was kind of, I, I played some county golf. I was playing for Midlothian County, um, and I got asked um, quite early on if I would be captain of Midlothian. And at the time, I, I, would, I was going back to work. I just had three children. And, uh, this is 19, let me think, it must have been about 1980-something, 80 84 maybe. I was going back to work, and I got asked if I would be captain, and I turned it down because I, I, I was going back to work. I had three children. I just didn't think I'd be able to uh, devote the time to it. Mm. But I got asked again in the um, early 90s. I was 40-something to be county captain and by then the children had grown up a bit and I, I said yes I'd do that so that was good because that got me more into the administration of not just my club but you know a, a county mm -hmm. association it's maybe got uh, well, I think we had about 20 something clubs in in Midlothian at the time and um, I wouldn't say running that because we had a secretary and a treasurer and everything but just being involved with that got me involved with uh, perhaps east of Scotland stuff um, and from there I got invited uh, onto the SLGA, Scottish Ladies Golfing Association, which um, was, uh, it ran girls golf uh, as well as ladies golf at the start. And I, I became uh, chairman of girls golf in Scotland in the, I think the, the late 90s. I was girls golf chairman for three years. Um, and then I was actually chairman of the SLGA in 2000. And then um, I got asked to go on to the Ladies' Golf Union. Uh, that was um, maybe 2005, and I was on that for five years. I ended up being chairman of that. And then um, the LGU um, changed its constitution and became a limited company, and um, I, uh, uh, which meant that the, the, the way the people became um, office bearers within the LGU changed and I actually uh, applied again and I was chairman again from 2010 to 2013 a kind of three-year term and then you, you think well that's my golfing <laughs> administration career finished and then I got asked to be president of the Scottish Ladies Veteran uh, 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 Golf Association which is uh, over 50s mm -hmm. And I did that. I, that was great fun, um, going with the teams to different events and uh, just being involved with with, with that. And these are all these were older ladies, but they were, mm -hmm. I mean they were still excellent, excellent golfers. Mm -hmm. And then um, I got asked to be president of the Ladies Golf Union, 
And it turned out that I'm the, I was the last, I am the last president of the Leaders' Golf Union because um, it amalgamated with the RNA. So yeah. that was um, that was really my my golfing uh, administration career. Uh, and I'm still, uh, I mean, in the times I was on the LGU, I was also on some RNA committees. I've been on amateur status. And then when I was, uh, when we um, amalgamated with the RNA, um, I was one of the ladies that was on the uh, what they call TC1 Trust Company Number One uh, Committee. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a bit like the RNA General Committee. It's the same people, but it talks about the things that the RNA are doing rather than the um, Royal and Ancient Golf Club mm -hmm. are doing. So that was uh, that was interesting, and I'm still on a committee. I'm a uh, director of the St Andrews. Uh, the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St Andrews Trust, which is actually the, looks after the museum and the shop and the restaurant. Great. So, uh, so I'm still still on a committee somewhere. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> no, yeah. you've got a very impressive um, oh, golly, well it <laughs> administrative <laughs> career yeah, in golf. Um, in golf, yeah, yes. Because uh, I had a job as well. So yeah, it was a, of course. Yes, yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. I know that's it's important to note that that these positions, you know, are. Um, you know, voluntary and are done on top yeah, of your own workload. Work. I, really I took early impressive. retirement when I knew I was going to go on the LGU, which was like 2005. I, I just thought, I can't do all this. And by then, the children had left home. You know, they'd gone to university themselves and they were away. And so we didn't have such a, um, a need for a huge amount of money. So I just said, I'll take early retirement. And that's why I had the time to do the LGU job. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just um for our listeners, would you mind um telling us a little bit about giving us some context for the Ladies Golf Union and the SLGA and okay. the organizations? Uh yeah, well, um in those early days, I mean it was a separate or organization. SLGA was founded in 1904 um to run the Scottish Ladies Championship. Um and it and it was the ladies it was a ladies only um association. Um, uh, in those days, um, the ladies really had to do it themselves. They they got no help from the men to do absolutely anything. They were it was um, they were such pioneers of getting things going and getting things organised. Um, and uh, it it lasted the SLGA. We talked had talks about amalgamating with the Scottish Golf Union, the SGU, when I was on the SLGA. But um, anyway, they, they started having talks again and they actually did amalgamate in 2015, I think it was. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but when I was on the SLGA, it was still was a, a, a woman-only um, uh, organisation. Um, the LGU is a very similar organisation. It was founded in 1893 uh, by a lady called Isette Pearson uh, with some other ladies from Royal Wimbledon Golf Club. And it was really just to um, get women together. One of the principal things about the LGU was that it did handicapping much earlier than any of the men's organisations did handicapping. And um, the, the, uh, it was to try and um, uh, figure out how when two, when two clubs played each other and the ladies had different handicaps from their club, uh, it didn't maybe match the, the standard of the handicaps at another club. And... Uh, so uh, handicapping was a, a very um, important thing, which they'd really organised in 1896. And most men's clubs hadn't really organised handicapping until the 1920s. 
Um, mm. But anyway, it, 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 it did the British Ladies' Championship and things like the Home Internationals um, and uh, just various other championships. And it, was, it really was a very strong organisation. Um, every member of a golf club in Great Britain and Ireland had to pay a small subscription to the LGU to um, keep it going. Um, and um, it was it was really quite a overreaching um, organisation. Uh, people would look to the LGU to get uh, advice and, and so on. And um, it, um, it eventually we were having talks with the RNA about amalgamating with the RNA, and eventually that happened. I think in it, it finalised in about 2017, and I was the the last president of the LGU. Um, it was a very historical. Uh, moment to be the last one, you know, to to make sure that um, they had ladies' interests and uh, you know at heart, and, um, and and in fact, it's really worked out very well. I think for all the championships and uh, things that the RNA run, they had just have so much more uh, money and so much more staff and so on to actually make the championships so special for the players that are playing in it. So it, it was a good thing, I think. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yes, yes, definitely. that's right. Yes. And um, I touched on this in the first episode, yes. but the the uh, LGU have uh, you know they recorded their history right yes. from the start, yes. which is incredible, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so the museum with the amalgamation mm-hmm. um, inherited the yeah. LGU collection. Yeah, yes. And I mean it's just fantastic the material that's there. Yes. And um, yes. the photograph albums, mm-hmm. you know, the minute books, books yes. periodicals. It's it's just it's it, and it's been invaluable for me and for mm-hmm. my research. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean it's just remarkable I think when we think about how these women knew that what they were doing was so important yes yes and recorded right. it yeah, and yes. and the men weren't doing that no, at that time as no. you said so yes it's, yes it's amazing. that's right yeah, i think women are always better organizers anyway than men because we have to we, we can multitask and they can't <laughs> yeah yeah quite right yeah <laughs> and I should say as well, so talking about archives, Gillian, yes. you have your own fantastic archive. You and your husband, oh, Davis, yes, were, yes. were kind enough to, to mm-hmm. welcome me into their home and, and then I was mm-hmm. able to mm-hmm. look through the archive at my leisure. It was amazing. Your mm-hmm. house is like a museum. It's yes. so fascinating. Before we go into some of the collections that you have, yes. um, what made you start getting interested in the history of golf oh, and collecting? Right, and well... Um, yeah, my, my husband, uh, um, he has a family firm who make medals. And um, in the old days, they used to make ball molds. They used to make um, uh, stamps that would, uh, you would stamp a, a wooden head of a golf club with a stamp, uh, so Park or Morris or whatever. Um, and um, my husband's firm started in 1826, so it's really been going a long time, especially during the golf era. And um, it was really, I think, uh, my interest and David, David, my husband's interest, started because we realised that our family firm had done a lot for golf in the very early days. Mm-hmm. And it really started with a collector from America who came in, this was in the 70s, uh, came into our family firm and knew that we made ball moulds and wanted to know if we still had ball moulds. And David's father at the time was... Uh, in charge of the business, David was um, 
just an assistant then, and he uh, he sold some ball molds to this American collector, and it just made us realise that the family firm actually had a history in golf, and uh, so we started going to golf auctions and started collecting ourselves, um, and um, we this is as you say, very early on, so we were very lucky. We are also very lucky to have a friend. Uh, by, th by this time, we'd maybe moved down to Gillen, or at least we were playing golf at Gillen, and there was a, a guy at Gillen called Archie Beard, who is a world-renowned golf, golf historian, and we were friendly with Archie and Sheila, and Archie was keen that we started collecting as well because he was so interested in collecting and mm -hmm. so um, he got us even more interested and he was somebody you could go to and ask whether something was uh, worth the money or or whether it was um, uh, the history of something Archie knew he, he knew already so we learned such a lot from Archie Baird uh, and uh, he he really uh, I think because of our friendship he started us wanting to collect more and more and as I say, go to golf auctions. We used to go with Archie to golf auctions. We'd buy different things because he was interested in art and we were interested in books at the time. Mm. So it was it was that sort of thing. So I would say it's, it's both David and I, it's not just me that's interested in our family. Mm. It's actually my husband David's really uh, into, and he's been, um, there's a, an organization called the British Golf Collectors Society, BGCS, and he's been captain of the BGCS and been on committees of, of them. So it's a, uh, it, it's a family thing. It's not really just me that the collecting. But I mean, I do have a great interest in women's golf history, and I've got a lot of women's women's things. If I would go to an auction, I'd try and buy the women's things. Yeah. yeah. So what sort of things have you got? Oh well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, too many to name them all. Too, too many to name them all. I mean, I've, I've got I've got a huge number of books. I think I've probably got every, or at least I, I, I not quite every book, but every book published before 19, uh, before the Second World War, I've probably got a copy of it or know what's in the, a certain book. I'm not terribly interested in instructional books, so I like books about history or about sort of autobiography or biography type books. Um, I'm not um, not really into instruction or golf architecture, can't be bothered with that either. But <laughs> um, the, uh, yes, um, I, do, I do love the stories of some of these early ladies mm -hmm. are just absolutely fascinating, uh, how, how they started golf and uh, uh, what they got up to at, at championships. They were there for two weeks. They had parties. They had sing-songs. They had concerts. It was, it was amazing, the, the things they got up to. And it was just um, really, really interesting to, to read all about that. Yeah. Yes. So that, that and I, I say I collect. I, I've got a, a lot of record books because of my other my role with the um, Women Golfers Museum. Mm -hmm. I get asked a lot of questions because we've got a web website and so on. So people find out and they, they email and say my, my great aunt Maud was a good golfer. Can you tell me something about her? You know. And, and uh, I I've got books that at home that I can look up to find out if. Great Aunt Maud was actually a good golfer, and what she played in, and she played in the British Championship, or she maybe was a, a played in a home international, or she maybe just played county golf. She maybe was just good in her club, but you, you, you just um, you know it's really interesting to, and people are so grateful that you be able to tell them something about their their ancient ancestors. So I love doing that. Yeah, I yeah. think it's great fun. Yeah. 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 And the museum, the Women Golfers Museum collections now. 
in the Arne Golf Museum, well, the objects are, and then yeah, the, the ob- archives are at the, the University of St Andrews Special Collections. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. yes they are. Um, yes, um, the, there's a we have in the Women Golfers Museum collection, just like the LGU collection, we have a huge number of photograph albums mm-hmm. um, uh, because pe- the Women Golfers Museum started in 1938, and in those early days. People donated stuff, including Azette Pearson, Mabel Stringer, Cecil Leach, um, Joyce Weathered, so on. They donated things to our museum, which aren't in the LGU. So it's it's great that we've we've got kind of different things. But um, I generally know where I can find something, whether it's in the uh, LGU collection or whether it's in the Women Golfers Museum collection. Um, so it's yes, it's it's uh, good. I'd I'd say with the St Andrews University one, you uh, you really need to look at our website to be able to find out if what you're looking for is actually there or not. Mm. We have got lists of things, and we've we've just been given another collection, so we're busy cataloguing it at the moment. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So going back to your own participation mm-hmm. in golf we'll talk a little bit about the competition you played golf competitively yeah yes i mean at school I, I played in the scottish girls i actually played in the scottish ladies when i was still at school um and then i played british universities and that sort of thing scottish ladies um and um british girls uh, i played a couple of years in british girls so that was early on um i think when i was working it wasn't so easy to get away to because some of these um, tournaments and so on, you're there for a whole week, you know, and I didn't have enough holidays. And um, and then I had children quite early on. Um, Claire, my eldest, was born in 1973. So, uh, you know, I really didn't have the time to play in everything. Um, I played in Scottish Ladies probably up to about the 1980s and um, played county golf and when you've got young children it's not so easy to get away i was very lucky my parents would take them and you know babysit while i was at uh, events but uh, you couldn't go away for night night you know it had to be during the day and mm-hmm. yeah i couldn't go away for days on end or anything like that it just um wasn't fair on the children so but uh, my my golf was really uh, I, I think probably i was a good club golfer in the end and uh played a lot of golf at, at Bring Me Now and then joined Gillen Ladies um, in the 90s mm-hmm. and uh, that's where we live now so it's really really close and I've uh, played such a lot of golf there and I've got a really good group of friends there so it's it's nice nice to play there yeah and mm-hmm. um, what is it that you enjoy most about playing golf oh well it used to be the challenge <laughs> you know it used to be the challenge of getting a breaking 80 or, or trying to get a good score in or whatever uh, and now I think it's just the friendship, you know. It's yeah. it's, it's, the, it's the social social side I enjoy much more. My golf's terrible nowadays. It, my mother actually stopped playing golf uh, when uh, she got to the stage where she couldn't hit the ball the way she thought she should. And I'm getting to that stage now because I know perfectly well what to do, but I can't make my body do it. And it's uh, it's uh, I think uh, I'm I'm playing social golf just so that I can keep up with people and keep friendships going but I don't really um, I don't really enjoy playing golf as much as I did when I was younger when I could actually hit the ball a decent distance and you know get a good scoring uh, scoring now is just awful 
<laughs> but that's interesting in itself yeah. is the way yeah. that our yeah, the motivations sort of change. Yes. And that's something that I look at in my research, my PhD yes. research, is how, yes. you know, when a lot of the women that I interviewed for my research, they um, started playing golf as children quite yes. often or in their teenage years. And yes. what motivated them to play golf then would be very different, was very different to what motivates them to continue yes. playing. Yes. You know, and yes. it's, it's, it's interesting right. in yes. itself right. is that yes. kind of how that yes. evolves over yes. the life cycle. And, yes. you know, and, yes, that's right. Um, yes. And you mentioned challenge being a positive yeah you know it was something that really oh, yes. spurred you, you on yes you, you you would go on you'd be on the first tee saying i hope i have a good score this this time yeah. you know and it was a i want to win it was yeah. a winning you know you it was a now i just want to take part yeah you know that's it it's yeah. not i'm not, not trying to winning. win no. not about winning at all no, no but early on younger. it was yeah. it was a you know i want to beat that person or i want to win yeah. or whatever now it really doesn't matter does it yeah, no. <laughs> Yes. And have you faced any other challenges, would you say, um, over your golf Over golf? No, I don't think so. Um, not, really. not really, no, I don't no. think so, no. You mentioned no. Um, having, like, a family might yes. have impacted. Yeah, uh, yes. An impact, um, well, I think, say, so. I mean, I, early on, I mean, my mum and dad were fantastic at looking after the children while I went. And, I mean, we, we have a, in Edinburgh, there's an Edinburgh Inter Club, and I remember we got, um, it, it's a three-day thing played in the evenings and then on a Saturday the morning and the afternoon and of course we got to the final once or twice so you're, you're playing quite solidly and I mean it was a big ask to ask somebody to look after three children you know for days while you were playing golf and um, that was about the, the most I would I would do I was always you know didn't want to impose on them too much you know because they've got their own lives you know and certainly um, my daughters don't do that. My my daughters all played golf when they were little as well, and they still play golf. But I don't seem to have been asked so much to look after the children. I don't know why. <laughs> but they they maybe they, their their careers were actually more high powered than me, mine probably in the early days. I don't know. Uh, so uh, they they uh, I think they, they they treat their careers more. It's more important than their golf. Whilst when I was my golf was just as important as my career. Um, you know, early on, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, did work um, get in the way at all? Was that a challenge? Or um, yes, I um, I was lucky. I worked at the University of Edinburgh, um, and uh, in the end, I was uh, kind of in charge of a team, so I I could always delegate things. Um, but um, I, uh, I I took I took um, unpaid leave. Another. Part of what I do is I did rules, and mm. um, uh, I did the rules exam 19, 1997, and I was a rules official for about 20, 25 years, and um, I really, really enjoyed rules, doing rules and going to events, and when the children were, were slightly older, um, I, I could get away more often, and um, I would, uh, I, I took um, unpaid leave in the summer holidays so that I could actually go to tournaments and, mm -hmm. and do that. But that was after they'd, they'd left home and gone to university themselves. So it was, uh, it, it was good. So uh, um, and the camaraderie of rules officials, you wouldn't realize how much we depended on each other. <laughs> you know, you're out there in a buggy on your own, but in fact, you're on a radio with other people and you could, you know, if you had anything tough, you know, a tough decision to make, 
you always knew that there was somebody else there that would you know back you up or uh, come to your rescue if necessary you know so it was yeah. it was uh, it was good and I, I, and so that was like my second career because when I took early retirement I really did rules such a lot I, I was a, a rules official for such a long time yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that was that, yeah. that was a good part of my life actually and uh, once again great friendships and I think that's the that's the important thing isn't it uh, mm -hmm. through golf it's a wonderful game for me because you're out there for three four hours with a single person you get to know them really well and so you you know you your friendships there and also working in golf you depend so much on the other people as well as yourself that you you make some fantastic friendships with people so that's that's the the, the good thing about uh, yeah I'd encourage anybody to get involved in administration or do things like that because it's really worth it and it gives back as well as you giving you know yeah. never, never ever feel that I was giving and not getting any feedback I always got thanked or whatever so it was it was yeah. nice that way oh mm -hmm. that sounds great it sounds mm -hmm. like a very worthwhile thing to do yes so. yes yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, what advice would you give Gillian to if there's anyone listening who mm -hmm. wants to start playing golf mm -hmm. But they just don't know where to start. Yeah, They've right. maybe not got a, a family connection or a friend that plays, but they're interested in playing. Play, yes. What advice would you I, give? I would them? go to go to your local golf club and probably approach the pro. Yeah. Because I think the pro would probably know if there were any um, um, lessons going or things like that. Group lessons are probably the best way to start. Because mm -hmm. once again, you make a friendship with somebody else. You can go out and play and practice with somebody else I think just having a, a single lesson with a pro is I mean it's great when you're a good golfer but I think probably in the early days you want to be in a, a group um, not all golf clubs have beginner sessions but um, I know that some of the org organizations like uh, the, the um, uh, English the EGU um, uh, or England golf I should say uh, have a, a great thing about um, starting getting started up and it's in quite a few clubs and Scottish golf has got the same sort of thing I think in a few clubs mm -hmm. so I, I would and the pro will know because he'll know other pros that maybe are doing beginner sessions so it's not necessarily that you go to your local golf club you might find that they don't have any beginner sessions but the pro will know where the beginner sessions are so that, that I would suggest that's yeah. that's probably the best way to start yeah, um, yeah. and there's there's so much other ways you know you've yes. got municipal courses yes. now pay and play you've pay got play. Mm -hmm. um driving ranges yes. to get a feel for it yes um yes yeah. that's right yes uh, yeah yeah, yeah. I, th I think you do need to get a little bit of instruction at the start yeah. though so mm. I, I think the, the professional at even there'll be professionals at driving ranges as well giving lessons yeah. there so yeah that's the way to start no, i could see that myself when i yes. <laughs> i went to the driving range with hannah and mm -hmm. a, a youth group and um i had never hit a, i've never you know uh, swung yes. A club. yes and um it was <laughs> it felt so unusual like i just didn't know what i was doing at yes, all you yes. know and I, I, I could see I, I could see how you would easily 
as soon as you hit a good shot, that's it. You that's get it. the bug. Yes. Um, yes. But unfortunately, I didn't hit a good shot. A shot. <laughs> so I would definitely need some lessons going forward. Yes. But um, yeah, there's lots of ways just to get the the feel of it before you maybe approach yes. and yes. then look into lessons. Yes. Um, but yeah. that's that's great. So, yes. so you would encourage women to give it a go? Oh, absolutely. I think yes, it's a great game. As I say, it's not just the playing and the competition. And you, you can you don't need to enter competitions anyway. It's the friendship. It's the it's the a, a, a women's golf club. They look out for each other. If anybody's ill, they'll they'll you know they, they are aware of it. They'll go and you know make sure you're all right. You know it's there's a, there's a it's a lovely group of women, mostly in in, in most golf clubs that are just um, you know it's it's great to be involved with it. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. So yeah. if you're listening and, and you're keen to maybe give it a go, yes, do yes. it. Yeah, do it. Yeah, <laughs> join a golf club. Yes. Yeah, definitely. That's right. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. and I just before maybe we we come to the end, mm-hmm. I, I really wanted to ask as well, like going back to sort of thinking about history of women's golf, mm-hmm. and I know that obviously you're really enthusiastic about it as, as I yeah. am. Yes. Is there if you could go to tea with any any of the sort of pioneering oh, women right. golfers maybe or any yes. golfer um who would you well um, like to speak to i mean you? i think obviously is that pearson yeah. because she started everything but i think uh, um i think everybody would choose a set pearson yeah. um but also um there's a when, when i started collecting and what really got me interested in the history was a book Called Golfing Reminiscences by Mabel Stringer. Yeah. Mabel Stringer was the um, a great friend of Isette Pearson and became assistant secretary of the LGU. But she also started a whole lot of different things like the British Girls, and she started the Veterans Association. She started the Legal Association, the Medical Association, Army and Navy. She did she did everything, and uh, I think she would have been a very interesting person. And maybe another person would be Joyce Weathered. Mm. Um, because she won the, uh, she was a very elegant golfer. Bobby Jones always said that she had the best swing yeah. of anybody um, that he'd ever met. Um, and uh, she was a tall, uh, slim, elegant lady who played really elegant golf. And I think maybe she might be interesting. I was very lucky. I played with um, an American golfer called Glenna Collette. She was Glenna Collette Bear. Uh, she got married, and um, that that to me is probably the most famous golfer that I've ever played with. Because to Americans, Glenna Collette Bear is the, the, the Joyce Weathered mm-hmm. of uh, of golf, and uh, I managed to play with, uh, uh, around with her at Long Nidri in 1984 when she was over for the Curtis Cup that was at Muirfield. So, I th- I think um, you know, th- she was the most famous lady I think I've ever played with. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. amazing. That yes. must have been an experience. Mm, yes, yeah. it was. It was. Yeah. Because yeah. her and Joyce were kind of like rivals, weren't yes, they? Yes, that's right. Yes, yeah. in the twenties, she and Joyce Weatherhead shared. Uh, actually, Glenna Collette never actually won the British Championship, but she was runner-up to Joyce Weatherhead a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, uh, she. So she was. Uh, yeah, very very. Yeah, good golfer, but when I played her, of course, she was in her seventies, and I was probably in my thirties, forties, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, so uh, um, she wasn't. Uh, she didn't play all that well, but uh, anyway, it was nice, nice to meet her. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. I know there's so many um, mm-hmm. 
I think with women's golf, there really is so many interesting, um, mm-hmm. inspiring mm-hmm. characters. You mm-hmm. know, it's hard to choose who you who yeah, you would, so, yeah, you would so speak to. Could, I mean, yes. you'd probably ideally like speak to them all in some yeah, way. So, but um, yes. uh-huh. uh, this is what's so important about you know the stories that they've left behind mm-hmm. and their memoirs mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. their, you know in the mm-hmm. the LGU collections that we've got as well, yes. the photographs, and you really do yeah. get a, yeah. a a glimpse of, of yes. what they were like. like yes, you know, yes, their personalities, yes. and that's yes. what's really nice. Yeah. I think is that Pearson was a, a a bit of a, a a dragon in a way and i i you know i i, I don't think she suffered fools easily at all you know no. she was she would probably just tell them what she thought you know yeah, yeah so uh, yeah um yeah i don't think idle chit chat with is that pearson wouldn't uh, wouldn't go down well but. no <laughs> Yes. I know. I think she would, as you say. I think everyone would like to to meet Azette. But I think there's this other side to her as well. Yes. That she sort of you see in the photographs as well. Like mm-hmm. I think she was just so passionate about women's golf. Oh, yes. And wanted it to be taken obviously seriously and wanted the best for women's golf. Mm-hmm. That she did have that sort of authoritarian sort yes. of you know sternness about her. Yes. But I think there was a gentle side. To yeah, her as I well. think it probably was as well. <laughs> yes. Well, certainly because Mabel Stringer wrote about her. Yeah. There was you, you could see that there was a, 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 a. But Mabel Stringer said there should be a statue for Isette Pearson. You know, every golf club in the yeah. land because she was the, she was the, the the one that really got women's golf started. And uh, um, so, yes, I think we should have a statue of Zep Pearson. Yeah. Out there somewhere. Yeah, let's, yes. let's try and get yes. that sorted. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, Amazing women. Well, thank you very much okay. for your time no. today. It's been great mm-hmm. speaking to you yeah, as always. Right, thank um, you. I'll put a link to the Women Golfers Museum catalogue on the podcast oh, right. so if people want to have a look yes. at the website. Yes. As you say, you know, there's a lot on there that people can look through. Yes. And, um, mm-hmm. yes. It's a great yes. resource and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll put the link just so if people want to have a wee look and see what is there. Yes. Um, yeah, so... Well, thanks again. Thank you very much. It's been great speaking to you. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, Lauren. I've enjoyed it. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Next, I welcome Catherine Emery to the podcast. Catherine is a former Ladies European and LPGA tour player and currently coaches the Scottish women's national team. I cannot wait to hear all about her impressive golfing career and her experiences of playing golf from childhood. Please like and subscribe. All the links to where you can find us are in the podcast description. Please also feel free to get in touch if you have any questions, comments or recommendations for future episodes.